I want to talk to you today about the freedom that is in Christ. Freedom. Man, I'm telling you, the Bible says in Matthew, or I'm sorry, in John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, whoever the Son hath, past tense, made free, is, present tense, indeed free. Now that's God's word, which means it's, it's truth. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you don't feel free this morning, don't worry about that. doesn't mean you're not free, right? It just means that you haven't seen your freedom yet. But we get in the word of God and there's light and there's anointing. There's anointing on the word of God to bring, to lift burdens, to destroy yokes of bondage. Do you know what many times what those yokes and burdens are? They're lies of the enemy that were planted. When a lie is exposed, it loses its power. And God, he wants to breathe freedom into your life so that you can see the freedom that you have been given in him so that you can walk that out. So let's just talk about this a little bit. So if you were to study the book of Romans, gosh, it's so funny. So many people are all over me to teach a verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. But, you know, I have a feeling we're kind of doing this over time, right? We jump in Romans a lot, don't we? But anyway, in Romans chapter 1, it literally says, you know, people who have a heathen lifestyle, you know, who are just, have a sinful lifestyle, these people are not born again. They're not saved. They're lost. Then in Romans chapter 2, it talks about people who live kind of morally upright and they're very religious and, and, you know, uh, they're religious, morally upright. They don't really have a heathen lifestyle. And the Bible says they are just as lost as the ones in chapter 1. Right? So, so both categories are lost. Then in Romans chapter 3, in case you didn't get what he was talking about, and you might think that, well, I'm not really in category 1 or category 2, there's probably not too many people sitting here that don't feel that they're in either category at one point in time in their life. Most of us feel like, gosh, I've been in both categories at the same time. But in case you may think, well, I don't really fit over here in this heathen category, but I don't really fit over here in this religious category either. Well, Romans chapter 3 says that everybody was lost. So every human being lost. You were born in sin because of Adam, right? And then Romans chapter 4, it tells us, I love God's word because it doesn't leave you hanging like, great, Lord, thank you for those first three chapters, so I'm lost, right? No, Romans chapter 4 talks about how that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. That if you are lost, there is a way to God, and it's only through Jesus, right? You've heard me say this. Buddha, at the end of his life, said, well, I have no idea what the truth is. Muhammad, at the end of his life, notice, at the end of his life, they went into the grave, right? At the end of his life, he said, well, I think I might be pointing to the truth, but then here's Jesus Christ. He says, no, 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 no. I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, right? Right? 
So that's what Romans chapter 4 says. And then now in Romans chapter 5, Jesus starts to talk about, or I should say this, the Spirit of God penned through Paul starts to talk about how man got in his spiritually dead condition. How did we get there? See, the problem is not man is a sinner. No, you got to go deeper than that. Sin is a result of something. Man is spiritually dead because of Adam's sin. Spiritual death came upon man. Why does man sin? Because they're spiritually dead. So let's look at some things here. Adam's sin brought spiritual death to every one of us, right? Every one of us. Man sins because he's spiritually dead. Jesus came and brought the zoe, that's the Greek word, life of God to us. The zoe life of God. Remember, he said, listen, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but Jesus says, but I am come that you might have life. That's the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, life, and that you might have it more abundantly, overflowing. Well, what is zoe? It is a Greek term that describes the very life and essence of life that God has. So Jesus came to give man God's life again. Adam had it. Adam lost it. Jesus got it all back for us. So if you look at if you look at Romans, realize that the translators broke the Bible up. These were letters They broke the Bible up in chapter and verses so that you can study it, right? Could you imagine if it wasn't broken up in verses or chapters, right? You'd have to be like, you know, if if you were trying to describe it, you wouldn't say, well, you know, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. You'd have to go, well, somewhere about, you know, a third of the way through this letter, it says, so it makes it real easy for us. If you study the book of Romans as much as I've studied the book of Romans, you will see that probably chapter 5 would more accurately have ended in verse 19. Because in verse 20, it starts a brand new thought that goes right into chapter 6. So let's look at this, and and, and you'll you'll see it. So jump into Romans chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 1 and 2 to start here. I want you to get the feel of this. We're going to kind of jump around chapter 5 a little bit. Are you guys okay with that? You guys just seem really hungry today. You came to worship God. You're like hungry. This is cool. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. The word justified means therefore being declared righteous by faith. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So are you born again this morning? Have you ever accepted Christ? Then you know God's not mad at you this morning. This is is a huge thing because most Christians live 
when they're doing good, they feel pretty good. If they're not doing good, they, they don't feel good. But no, no, no. If you're born again, if you've been justified by faith, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also, look at this, we have access by faith into something. We have access by faith. Now that I've been made righteous because of Christ, I now have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice. Why are we standing? Why are we rejoicing in hope of the glory of God? When God puts grace in you, glory comes out of you. What is the glory of God? It's literally his presence. So that's why now that I'm righteous, and I became righteous simply through faith, I, I believed what God said. Now I have access into something called grace, which enables me to stand and rejoice because I have what? In hope, I have a great expectation that all my life, my future is I'm going to see the glory of God. Amen. That's what he's saying here. So the question is, okay, so am I going to have more eternal life when I get to heaven than I have right now? Does that change in any way? It does not. You were given everything the moment you believed God and invited him to be your Lord. The only difference, when, you're, when you go to heaven, your physical body, right? If, if you pass from this earth, your spirit steps out of your body and you're with the Lord, you won't have to deal with this unrenewed, old, spiritually dead nature that's still in our flesh. So it, it'll be wonderful, but you won't have anything more than you have right now, right? So this verse... Verse 1, verse 2, it has to do with us operating in something. Walking in freedom is operating in the grace of God. Walking in freedom is knowing that you have been made righteous. Right? This is so important. It starts out the, verse, the chapter like this. Then if you jump all the way down to verse 17, now it says it's, it's going to explain this. It says, for if by one man's offense, this is talking about Adam's sin. It's talking about the fact that he chose to disobey God and eat that fruit. The wages of sin is death. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by the one. So everybody, when Adam chose to disobey God, now death. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. It talks about how that sin entered into this earth realm and death came into this earth realm through sin. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. 
Like if you work for someone, right? Or if you're own, in your own business, you do something, you go to work and you get wages. Well, the wages of sin is death. And God doesn't want death anywhere around his kids. I mean, think about that. You as a parent, would you want death around your kids? You have a little baby and you're thinking, you know, gosh, I think I'm just going to maybe uh, go, go, you know, I... I think I just want to have a couple black mamba snakes as pets. No, you're not going to probably do that, are you? You don't want death around your kids. How much more God doesn't want his kids to ever have to deal with death? And I'm telling you, God made provision so that you don't have to. It's wonderful. So then it says, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, so see, death reigned through Adam's, Adam's offense, it says much more, and this phrase in the Greek means so much more, it can't be compared. So you can't compare the mess that Adam made, it can't even be compared to the incredible thing that Jesus did to fix it all. It can't be compared. It's so much greater, right? So much greater. It says much more, they which receive. Notice it doesn't say they which God gives. Why? Because God has given to everyone already. So now it's not a matter of God giving it, it's a matter of people receiving it. They which receive. And this, this word receive, you know, it, it's not like, it's, this is what we think. So Torian, I'm going to have you help me. Can you throw me this bottle of water? So, so people think of receiving just, it's a one-time thing, right? But receive is more than just a one-time, I received it. This is Bible receiving. So let's say he's God, and now you're going to give me something. So go ahead and throw the bottle to me. So he throws the bottle. Receiving in Christ is I, I grab it, I seize hold of it, and I continue in it, and I never let it go. That's what this word receive means. They which receive, that means I, I grab hold of it and I walk in it. Okay? This is real important. They which receive, what? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. How? By one, Jesus Christ. They which receive... This Greek word, the reason why we say it's continuing, because it's in the continuous tense. It's a continual action. This Greek word means as you continually act on this, it grows. It talk, it's, it's giving you a picture of something that is growing in you as you're walking it out. Okay, so the grace of God, you grab hold of it. When you grab hold of the abundance of grace, you continue. So now this grace, it's growing in you. But also it says, and the gift of righteousness. You have to, those that receive that, that means I receive it and continue to walk in it and it grows. It's some, it gives you a picture of something growing. Now that immediately makes you ask a question because, wait a minute, pastor, righteousness is righteousness. I don't 
I don't grow to be more righteous. When I accepted Christ when I was four and a half years old, I couldn't even probably say or, or spell the word righteousness, but I was made the righteousness of Almighty God. And here I am a few years later, right? And I'm no more righteous than I was the day I got saved. Okay, well, then how do you grow in that? Well, we got to answer that question. You grow in your revelation knowledge of your righteousness. As you walk through life, you become more and more aware of all that it means to be righteous. Right? It says that they that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, it doesn't say they might reign. It says they shall reign in life. The word reign means to have full and superior dominion. The word life is again the word zoe. You and I will have full and superior dominion in this earth realm as we are, are walking in zoe life. That's what this is talking about. So the Greek word grace we got to talk about this the greek word for grace is the word charis right uh, andrew womack has a bible college it's called charis bible college right you could call it grace bible college it'd be the same thing but what what is the word charis it literally means a, the divine influence on the heart that is reflected out of the life. So what happens is the grace of God, it's literally the divine influence upon my heart that will now be reflected out of my life. And this is why it talks about glory. We have access, right? Chapter 5, verse 2. We have access by faith into this grace right? Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope, in the joyous, confident expectation of the glory of God. Because grace is this, it's God's divine influence on my heart that will be reflected out of my life, and it will be reflected out of my life as the glory of God. See, this is why John said in John chapter 1, verse 14, Right, talking about Jesus, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, as you walk through life, the grace of God, which is manifested outwardly as glory, will attract all of your fruit. It'll just, it just attracts people to you. They won't forget you. There will be a connection, right? The glory that comes out of me, this is why it is so important for a pastor to, uh, all ministry flows out of the overflow of my personal walk with him, so that's why you felt a connection to me. It wasn't Tony, it was the glory coming out, right? Because I've received that grace, and I'm walking in it, and it's growing. 
That's the way it works for all of us as believers. So Romans chapter 5, verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, right, they which receive of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. This is huge. The grace of God, you could say, is literally the finished work of Christ, right? It's everything that he's done for you. This is why, like if you, you have examples in the world, like an apple tree, the, have you ever noticed you'll never go down to, what is it, Nebraska City, and you're walking up to the apple tree, and it eats all the apples before you get there. You'll never see that. That apple tree produces apples for other people right? The fruit is for other people. See, that's why as you receive the wonderful grace of God, God doing for you what you could never do for yourself, the grace of God in the form of his healing power, healing your body, then when you leave from there and you're walking in health, guess what? God will bring people across your path that you can minister to and give them your fruit. This is what God did for me. And they'll behold the glory of the Lord. They won't, they won't pump you up and think you're something. No, they'll know it's God. Does that make sense? This is so important that we get this. This is what this is talking about. So let's keep going a little bit further. A little bit further. Paul is speaking about the grace of God to overcome wrong teaching that these Romans are going to experience because Paul writes this letter, he's ministering to these Roman Christians, the Judaizers who would follow Paul around, they were going to come and they were going to try to mess it all up and say, hey, listen, don't listen to this guy. Okay, yeah, you can, you can have Christ, but you also have to keep the law. So this is why Paul, in his letter, the Holy Spirit was covering all the bases because people were going to come behind and try to mess up that teaching, right? The Jews, the Jews would come behind and say, you have to keep the law. This, this thing about grace is just, you know, that's just not all right, right? They still would have to keep the Mosaic law. Paul was, he wrote this letter to let them know, no, 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 the law, and we'll, we'll look at this, the law was done away with. This is about faith in Christ, right? See, today, I'm not really concerned that uh, some, some Jewish Judaizer is going to call you up, invite you to their Bible study, and say, you know what? Some of that stuff Pastor Tony says is okay, but listen, you still have to keep the Mosaic law. I, I, I doubt, has that ever happened to anybody here? No, that, that doesn't happen to us. But, so how does this relate to us? Because it relates to us in a big way. We don't call it the Mosaic law, which was works-based, right? But what are we going to do now? Today, we have multitudes of believers trying to work their way into the blessing of God. 
by their own actions. They don't call it the Mosaic Law, right? You don't drive down the street of your neighborhood and smell all kinds of dead animals burning, right? Now, sometimes because we, we take the skin off and stuff, it smells pretty good when all that's done and it's called a filet or a T-bone or something like that. <laughs> Should I say that at this time in the morning, right? But, you know, but, but that's okay. But you, you don't have altars in backyards a lot where people are doing animal sacrifices and do No, 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 but you have a lot of Christians that, you know, will go to church even today and they will be told, well, you need to do so many of this and so many of that to cover and to take care of your sin. Or, or people just live their life going, okay, I need to, you know, I'm in trouble here. I need to do something good. Or you have, you know, word of faith people that are just, you know, I just, man, I just, you know, I heard Brother Copeland say one time, you had to, you have to confess something 200 times to get healed. And so, uh, you know, okay, darn it. I was at 100 and something and I lost count. So I better start over, right? They're trying to work for their blessing. I mean, come on. Have you ever tried to work for anything? Work for your blessing? Have you ever just kind of went to prayer and you feel pretty good about it because, you know, you just, you just ministered to somebody, right? Or you're like, man, I know God's going to move because, man, I just sowed money for that. For a, for a, I sowed $500 for our youth. So, you know, God has got to heal me now. You know, uh, that, that's not how it works, right? I mean, no offense, you guys. I, I, you know, but... I'm sure there's some ministries out there that will tell you, hey, you send 500 bucks, man, and God's going to, or you know, or you do send 1,000, or you do this or do that, I'll send you my socks, and you'll walk <laughs> in the same blessings, and you know, you're just like, wow. See, many believe they have to do something to believe God, or, or to, to, to get his approval so he will bless them. You have to do something to please him. But the Bible is very clear that you have to believe him. Believing him is what pleases him. Faith pleases God. Now, does faith have action? It absolutely does. So does that, are you going to do something when you're in faith? You absolutely are. But you're not doing your own works. You're only working out what he's working in. Right? You, you realize, why would you have to work for your healing because it's already yours. He are, it's all, all the money that you need, he's already taken care of it. It's already done. It's just a matter of you receiving it by faith. Boy, if we can get that. We try to get to a place where we could put our finger on something so that we feel good that we've pleased God. Man, I haven't gossiped for three and a half hours. That's awesome, right? Then your phone rings. Hey, did you hear about, you know, so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I heard. Can you believe? Oh, shoot. Let me start over. No, but it isn't. Many Christians live that way, and that's no way to live. Grace is also defined, have you ever heard this, as unmerited favor, Right? What does that mean? That means God doing for you what you could never do for yourself. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it, right? So 
this is the finished work of Christ. This is a true part of the definition of grace. So, but that, that creates the question when we go back to Romans 5.17, they which receive and walk in and continue in so that it grows, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Well, how do I grow in the knowledge that I don't deserve what God has done for me? How do I grow in that? Right? See, we've got to answer these questions to walk in the light of, these Christ, or of this scripture. There are two components listed for me to walk and reign in Zoe life. Right? There's two components. I must, I must continually take hold of and grow in the abundance of grace. Another way to say that is I must grow in the operation of grace or here's the real, now we're going to take it right down what this means. I'm going to grow in operating in grace. That's something you will grow in your whole life. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. And we use our faith that comes to us by hearing the word of God to lay hold of what God has given us by his grace. But our ability to operate in the grace of God will grow as we grow as Christians. Now, the second component is the gift of righteousness. I must continually grow in revelation knowledge of who I have been made in Christ. So in order to reign in life, I must continually grow in operating in grace. And I must continually grow in my, in, in my revelation knowledge, it comes from the word, of who I have been made in Christ. If, I, if I'm continually growing in those two, th those two areas, I will reign in life. So many people think getting a second job or making more money will bring more prosperity into their life, but here's what will bring more prosperity into your life, learning how to operate and grow in, in your operation of grace and learning how to walk and grow in a revelation knowledge of who you've been made in Christ. So you'll stop thinking you gotta keep trading hours you know, hours for dollars and you start sowing and you start believing God and all of a sudden he starts creating other income streams in your life and the blessing of God comes upon you and all of a sudden it's like, wow. You're standing up saying, hey, let no man say that they made Tony rich. Right? You're standing up saying, no, God did this. Everybody around you will go, oh, hey, you know, what do they do for work? See, everybody right now, what do you do for work? What do you do for work? But when you walk in this blessing, people will be like, I don't know what they do, but the blessing of God is on them, and everything, everywhere they go, they're just blessed. That's called Zoe life. And it doesn't magnify you or lift you up or exalt you. It exalts Jesus to this world.
Jesus is their answer. To the sick, he's their healer, right? To the person in extreme lack, he is their provider. To the person who's fighting depression, anxiety, fear, panic attacks, he is their peace. Zoe life, not as the world gives. This is God just going, he's just giving. He doesn't have, there's no, there's no things attached to the blessing of God. He did all this just because he loves you. Isn't that amazing? Just because he loves you. Hallelujah. So let's keep going. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. So now, so now this is going to start a whole new thought. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law entered. This Greek word entered was a theatrical word. It was a theatrical word. So like in a theater, it gave you a picture of a minor actor coming out on stage and being there until the other main actor came in. And then they would leave and the main actor would come in. The law was the minor actor that came on the scene until Jesus showed up. Okay, we got to get this. The law entered, why? That the offense may abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the law entered that sin may abound. In other words, the law revealed the sins of man and revealed to man that they needed a savior. Spiritual death was the reason why man could not stop sinning. You couldn't keep the law, the Mosaic law. You couldn't keep it because if you messed up in one thing, you were guilty of the whole thing. It was designed to show man, first of all, you are sinful. Second of all, you need a savior. And the grace of God, you got to know this. This is, this is big. The grace of God abounds more than any sin. So that's why when you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Because all all of the sin was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus on the cross, and you were given the grace of God. It abounds much more. So moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace much more abound. Grace did much more abound. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, so sin had full and superiority unto death, even so might grace reign, have full and superior dominion through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So the grace of God now reigns through righteousness unto eternal life 
which is by Christ Jesus. What does that mean? The grace of God brings you more and more into eternal life, the eternal Zoe life of God. It brings you more and more. This is why Jesus had to say, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly because grace will cause it to be more and more and more and more and more. Do you see that? So if you go back to chapter 5, verse 1, it literally, go ahead and put that up on the screen real quick. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have access, right? Or we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, go to verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, which causes us to rejoice in hope. It causes us to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see how it's saying the same thing? But now it's going into it. The grace of God will literally bring you more and more into the Zoe life of God. So that's why when you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will grow in your revelation knowledge of who you've been made in Christ, which will enable you to become more and more aware and op of how to operate in the grace of God, which brings you more into Zoe life. That's why the path of the righteous increases more and more. Do you see how that all fits? It is impossible for, it literally is impossible for you to walk like this and not, walk, and not increase. It's literally impossible. This is a spiritual law. It's the word of God. It cannot possibly not work. So if your life is not increasing, now you know why. So just make that adjustment. See, what's happening in the body of Christ is we're not teaching this because we're too hung up on some leadership quotes and some nice stories and some entertaining services and people are leaving with nothing and then we're sitting here going, but I don't even know anybody that this works for. So pastor, that, that word of faith guy, what's his name, Tony? Right? What? He preaches nonsense. I mean, are you kidding me? God's provided healing for everyone? Are you kidding me? He thinks that God answers every prayer? Yes? Come on, that's ridiculous. Now that same person will quote to you 1 John chapter 5. They'll quote it. If you ask anything according to my will, I hear you. And if you know I hear you, you know you have the petitions I've asked. They'll quote that verse and still laugh at me. Why? Because they have no revelation knowledge of that. Why? Because they are not growing in, in, in who they have been made in Christ. They're not growing in how to operate in grace. So they're, they've become religious. Well, healing can't be for today because my grandmother loved God more than anybody and she died of sickness and disease. Right? You just, you just sit here and go, wait a minute. Man, I wish you could talk to your grandmother right now. Because the minute she stood before Jesus when she stepped out of her body, she would have went, wow. You mean healing was just right there. I could have laid hold of that. 
You know, Jesus, he, he's like, well, do you want to go back? Oh, no, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good, right? <laughs> so see, if we rightly divide the word, you'll get the results of the word. Do you realize this is for all of us? So that means if you embrace this. Now, do you have to know how? No, no. You have to know him. You got the teacher on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit. He's going to strengthen you, comfort you, uh, you know, teach you, encourage you. He's going to train you so that you can walk in this, so that your life from 1010 this morning, right now, for the rest of your days can increase. Reign in life. Do you think reigning in Zoe life, do you think you're going to ever be afraid of anything? No. Do you think you're ever going to have trouble with the love walk? No. Right? Because why? You, you've, nothing can hurt me because of who he is and who I am in him. So in business, I have no more competitors. Right? I could literally have my competitors and say, hey, listen, I'm going to pray that you increase. Right? Because I know that God is so good, he doesn't have to take from one to give to another. Right? I can walk in love and I could let go of all the hurt that I went through, which causes me to not trust anybody. Grow up in an alcoholic home. You don't trust anybody. Right? And how that really messes you up is you don't trust the one that you can trust. And that's him. Right? But when you trust him, see, is, is, do I trust my wife? What would I trust her with? All my trust is in God. So yes, I trust my wife because all my trust is in God. Can I trust Torian? Yeah, because all my trust is in God. Now, now trust does have to be earned, right? If you're in a marriage and your husband's saying to you, well, listen, you know, I need you to trust me. And he's been unfaithful and hasn't done what... Oh, okay, yeah, that's great. Let's start the process. Maybe over years and years, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you, right? Because what do, what do guys do or, or, or people who fall in that area? Hey, no, no, you're a Christian. You've got to forgive me, and that means you've got to trust me. Nope, two different things. But all of my trust is in God, so now I could walk in this world. I am not concerned about anybody coming and stopping what God's doing in my life because they can't, right? So I can just love them. Do you see how freeing that is? Reigning in Zoe life means you're going to fulfill the plan of God for your life. I could tell you this, I don't care where you're at today, you might, you might sit here and go, that's a joke, Tony, because you're too carnal. But just I'm telling you, this is the ultimate desire of your heart. This is what it is. It is to yield all of your fruit for the kingdom of God in your season so that you could stand before your Lord who died for you and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what it permeates everything in who we are. And the Bible says, they that grab hold of and receive and walk 
and grow in the abundance of grace. I grow in my ability to operate in the grace of God while I am growing in the revelation knowledge of who I have been made in Christ. It causes all the past to fall off of me. It causes all the junk in my mind to be removed. My mind gets renovated, and it's like all of a sudden, I'm walking into a different world. In other words, we're walking now in the freedom whereby Christ has made us free. Do you know the Holy Spirit who's in your heart knows everything that the enemy has done through others and through everything in this world to stop the plan of God in your life. And I'm here to tell you, don't ever let that happen. You can walk free from everything to where there's no residual. It's just life. It's just him. Don't let any pastor, any priest, I don't care who they are, make them come at you with scriptures, which they won't be able to do if it's any different. God loves you. The redemptive work of Christ. Man, his mercy, his faithfulness, it's greater than anything you've done to mess that up. Everything you've done to mess it up was paid for before you were even ever born. Wow. I love that. So now, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Do you see how it, can, it keeps going? You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this. So let's, let's do verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? It's the same thought. So, so what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? Verse 2, God forbid. Now look at this. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Boy, that's a statement. Literally in the Greek, it would read like this. How shall we that died to sin live any longer therein? Say this with me. How can I, who've died to sin, live any longer in it? Now, that is a deep thing. Because people will say, Pastor, I don't really like saying that because this morning I did, I did this. Well, did you? Right? Did, did you? Did your spirit sin this morning? Mm -mm. No? Just because you haven't renewed your mind with the word? Your unrenewed mind sided with your flesh and it took your spirit captive into the sin. So you performed a sinful behavior, but it didn't change your nature. Okay? See, in order to grow 
in revelation knowledge of who you've been made in Christ, you have to understand this. You have to understand this. Because right now, Paul is introducing the doctrine of identification. He's also introducing the doctrine, you've heard me talk about this before, the doctrine of positional truth versus temporal truth. Okay? Positional truth is my relationship with him. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2.6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So today you're sitting here, but you're also, the Bible says, seated in heaven with him. That's talking about positional truth. That never changes. Sarah will never stop being my daughter. Temporal truth, though, deals with behavior. It deals with fellowship. Right? So that's the thing. I am temporarily or temporally here right now. I'm positionally in heaven right now. Okay? Paul is going to talk about, he's going to talk about the position of righteousness that we have versus walking in our righteousness. There's a difference sometimes. There doesn't need to be. But sometimes, man, my position of righteousness, right? I walk and I'm like, hey, Courtney, how's it going? She's like, good. You know, I know you're righteous, Tony, but man, I just saw you kick that guy out there. So you're, you're walking out of your, you don't seem very righteous on the outside, but it didn't change that I'm righteous on the inside, right? In other words, my behavior doesn't change my nature. How can they that died to sin live any longer in it? Do you see this? You know your spirit can't sin. You're a child of God. And if you'll renew your mind and present your body a living holy sacrifice, guess what? You could the Bible even says sin won't even dominate you. It's amazing, but it won't dominate you because you've already died to it. What do you mean? Hey, listen, Jesus was crucified. Guess what? Man, I'm so glad I was crucified positionally. Not, not temporally. Don't even want to go there, right? Now, things get too crazy before the rapture of the church, and, and it comes down to, man, you know what, Christian pastor, we're going to crucify you. Well, there will be a grace that will come up inside of me, right? And I'll lay my life down but I vote rather not, right? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. You know how close we are to eternity? All you got to do is stop breathing for a few minutes, <laughs> right? But we hold on to this life so strong. Man, hold on to Christ. Paul is talking about the position of righteousness that we have been given 
versus the walking out of our righteousness. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about walking free. Walking free. Because step number one of walking free is you're going to have to get over yourself and give yourself a very big break and let go of all the junk that's been done to you. Well, it's been done to me. That was wrong. It hurt me. Yes, and you're going to have to get over yourself to let that go. That's hard, isn't it? When somebody really hurts you, it's hard to let go of, right? Unless, of course, you grow in the abundance of grace. Man, I could tell you this. Boy, I've been telling on myself a lot here. I grew to hate. I was born again, spirit-filled. Hate my stepdad. I mean, I just hated him. And I remember the day. Man, you know, I was living on my own, and uh, I had moved out, you know, uh, when we moved to California, I went from a 35-foot travel trailer, but my bedroom became, most of the time, even in Illinois, I would sleep in the back of a suburban truck just to, to get away. You know, it gets cold in a suburban truck that are parked outside in January in Illinois, right? And I remember, I remember, and now I understand what it was, I was growing in grace and I didn't even know it. And my dad, he had a bout where you know, the alcohol just destroyed his liver and, and was real bad. And I remember he almost died in the hospital. And I remember that I walked in this hospital room and my dad was this, I mean, he was like this white. And, uh, you know, he, I just, he just looked like he was laying there dead. And I remember walking into this room and, and his bed was right there. And it literally... This man that I struggled with, I mean, just the aggressiveness of just wanting to just beat him into a coma every night. I would have to leave, you know, I, I would have to leave that trailer and go in that suburban truck or go somewhere because I couldn't look at him, you know, because many times he would, it would be one statement away that, that I didn't know what I was going to do. I was really afraid that I would kill him or whatever, and uh, in one moment of time, all of that melted off of me, and I looked at him, and it, and it all melted off of me, and I realized the reason why he was the way he was was because of what happened to him, and it was gone, and after that, my dad and I, we had a great relationship. You know, the day he passed away, he called me at work, and, and when my secretary told me that it was him, the Lord told me, this is the last time you'll talk to him on the earth. And uh, Jeanette and I had led him to Christ 11 days earlier. He loved my, my, my lovely wife. And uh, we led him to Christ, and so he called me at work, and so we talked. And the last thing he said to me on this earth was, Tony, I love you. You know, and I said, Dad, I love you so much. And he died about four hours later. And he's in heaven today. I'm here to tell you, I try, I, I would listen to sermons about forgiveness and it would make me want to get up and go punch the pastor. <laughs> no, I'm serious. When you're bitter, have you ever been bitter? It's, it's crazy. Now, you can't leave the church because of some of this stuff, okay? <laughs> if God planted you here, that's between you and him. I, you know, I have nothing to do with that. 
But I'm telling you, if that's you today, I'm parking on this. I want to go so much farther, but let it go. And the grace of God will enable you to let it go as you literally, literally learn. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to operate more and more in the grace of God so that you're doing everything by the grace of God. You're not doing anything in your own strength. I mean, it's amazing. And it, and it will grow like this. Your ability to operate in the grace of God will grow directly proportionate to your revelation knowledge of who you've been made in Christ. When you realize, wait a minute, I have been made. I'm a brand new creature. The old is gone. Everything is new. All these stories I tell about myself, listen, that's not really me. <laughs> right? Because right now, you couldn't upset me. There, there's no way. Now, if somebody broke in here and was trying to, you know, I just have been stupid enough. I, I'm surprised I never was shot. I almost got stabbed one time. That's about the worst thing. But I just was always this guy that would run this way if something's coming this way. Right? And, and it's just, it was, it was because, why was that? Was that my personality? No. It was the twisted insides of somebody who had been lied to by the enemy and thought they were worthless and, and just were hating and all this other stuff. And the grace of God comes in and it flushes it all out. Now, I'm describing somebody that was saved when I was four and a half years old. Right? I'm so glad God never gave up on me. Aren't you glad God never gave up on you? And hide and watch, because as much as I learn how to yield to the love of God, as much as I'm learning how to operate in the grace, and as much as I'm growing in my revelation knowledge of who I've been made in Christ, hide and watch two months from now, it's going to be greater. Same for you, right? I mean, some of you guys I've known for a long time. And it's wonderful to see what God's doing in your life. It's so much easier with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Let me just finish with this statement. People are weak and, having, and they have trouble yielding to God because they are defining their identity, which is positional truth, by their actions, which is temporal truth. In other words, they're defining their identity by what they've done or what they're doing instead of who they've been made. See, here's the secret. Holiness, which is your behavior, it flows out of righteousness. So if you don't know who you've been made in Christ, your behavior's going to be messed up. Don't try to fix the behavior. Focus on gaining revelation knowledge of who you actually are. And all of a sudden one day you'll be like, why am I doing this? And the desire for it will go. Everything will just, it just, I can't explain it. It's just, 
Well, I can't explain it. God says it this way. He says, behold, I make all things new. And you'll have one of those behold, I make all things new moments. See, there's a difference between who you are in Christ and what you live out. Do you know why you yield to God ever? You yield to God based on knowing him. For some of you, you're reading your Bible a lot more because you're getting to know him more. That's why you'll hear me say, you hunger after what you feed on. The more you gain knowledge of God, the more you will yield to him. You know, I really, pastor, every time I come to this church, man, they receive an offering. And I know I'm not tithing. I know I'm not, I'm not honoring God in my finances. And I just beat myself up for that. What is the answer? Give? No, let's go deeper than that. Because God wants you to give with the right heart. Just, just get to know him. And you'll yield to him. But I just can't forgive. That's okay. Just get to know God more and you'll yield to him in that area. So in other words, all of your growth and all of the freedom that you walk in is going to be a byproduct of you hanging out with him. That's all it is. Isn't that cool? It's so simple. Well, I'm going to leave you with this thought today. God loves you. He just, he just loves you. It's who he is. It's who he'll always be. He'll never stop. He just loves you. So be blessed and walk in that. Amen.